Hello, this is the Satisfaction Podcast. Society and culture, constructs, conditioning, politics, business, capitalism, ethics, right down to humans, and how we can all construct a life worth living amongst it all. I'm the host, Evan Sutter, and today, right onto the show, and number five on our list of 12 ideas to construct a life worth living. Number five, learn for life, not a job. Learn for life, not a job. And too many people fall into the latter and not the former, and that can be problematic. The latter, learning for a job or merely to advance your career is too often one-dimensional and rigid. The other, interconnected, holistic and open, and then it flows into all areas of our lives. And after all, a life well-lived, a good life, has to be connected. For I've seen too many times, and I'm sure you have too, we all have, the person with the great career and financial success who is miserable in almost all other areas of life. A lack of positive relationships, positive emotion, interests, intellectual wealth, joy, and thus freedom, real freedom. He lingers in the realm of quiet desperation, like Thoreau would say, appearing to be doing wonderfully well to those equally blindsided by the traps of a economic world. Real learning should open you up, make you more curious, teach you how little you know. Too often our way of learning today has a finish line and it can act, if we're not careful, to make us more rigid. It makes us specialised. We become good at one thing and of course to live a good life you need more than one skill more than one qualification, more than one field of interest. You can be a great numbers man, a great accountant, but that won't help you too much at home with your wife. It won't help you with your emotions, your sleep, movement and physical health, purpose, thinking, presence, etc. The list goes on. Learning, real learning, should be multidimensional, multifaceted. It should leave you engaged, something that a lot of traditional education simply fails to do. It acts to get you somewhere, completely bypassing the experiences on the way. And that's a pattern that continues the further we get, in, get along in life. Life becomes about what we can get from something, something always just in front of us. And I see a clear distinction in my life where I've studied for the sole purpose of getting a degree or an extra unit to boost my portfolio or credibility and lead to more work opportunities. And... Of course, that's necessary at times, but, you know, it is a largely economical world after all, and we do need to tread carefully here to ensure we don't just become that rigid, boring, one-eyed human being. Because this path destroys the well-being of so many human beings, and so many retirees especially. I want to take a quick look at, at that section of the population. They might be ones so skilled in their particular domain, but they may be lacking everywhere else. They are well-credentialed, maybe even financially secure, but their lives don't reflect their security, but instead a type of, of mundane lack, a lack of interest, friendships, and zest. And zest is the big one. So many just plod through the days waiting for, waiting for something tasty to eat or a, or a good show to come up on TV. They may have kept on learning as they grew, another mandatory course at work, etc., 
but they didn't learn because they wanted to. It didn't interest them. It was because more because they had to or because they wanted more acclaim or more money or more status. Their motives were not pure, so they weren't as enriching as they could be. As a result, they rarely stretched themselves intellectually, emotionally, physically, and each year they got more rigid and trapped in their one-dimensional thought patterns and views. It is like episode 20, and where I spoke about the benefits of deliberate psychedelic use. It helps soften our default mode network and allows us to think for ourselves outside the noise of all our social conditioning. Learning for life out of a natural curiosity ensures we consistently develop new patterns of behavior and new ways of thinking. So we stay a little more open as we travel through life. Why is it so common for an old person to have strong views about politics, race, gender and appear quite backwards? Maybe it's because they stopped learning for life. They settled for one form of information, typically the mainstream newspaper or nightly news. Which if you listen to episode 19, you would know how there are so many conflicts of interest and biases in the media. But if you don't learn to learn, not for a job, but for life, you will end up just being a culmination of rather silly ideas you heard from a giant multinational media company, which gently curates stories based on their financial incentives. When we stop learning, we replace curiosity, openness, playfulness, and a lightness of being with narrow views that are ignorant and fickle. We just see problems and barriers and roadblocks and a tone of negativity Negativity creeps into our lives and slowly overtakes it. The lifelong learner, on the other hand, is less reactive. They see chances to enjoy themselves and thus their lives. Chances to enjoy their lives before they die. And of course, this isn't just a cautionary tale for when we get old. It is something we need to do now. A habit we form now, a value that we cherish right now. Because that's the trick. And maybe it's one of the greatest tricks. But we can start doing the things we want when we get older and have ticked off all the boxes of all those things that we have to do. No, you can't. If you don't do them now, it is difficult or almost impossible to then shift deeply ingrained patterns and behaviours after 30 years of doing the opposite. You'll have money and lots of time. Maybe, maybe not. But you'll be in a type of coma so to speak, unable to do anything you want if you're actually capable of thinking you want to do anything in the first place. Like travel, like travel, episode 20, check it out. Learning should change how we look at the world and our relationship with ourselves. And like travel, learning can be a superficial ego-driven pursuit that does little for shifting perspectives and giving ourselves new eyes, like Marcel Proust spoke of, remember? Remember he said the true voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes. And maybe we can quickly play with reconstructing that in, this, in, in, in some way. Maybe true learning consists not in seeking knowledge, but in having new eyes. You know, some, something like that. You know, don't stop learning because you got a job, finished university, or because you got old. One of the great tragedies of life, and perhaps you know, a direct result of the neoliberal assault is that not many things are actually about what is best for people, what is best for us as humans. Businesses don't create things for consumption, i.e. what the people need, but they do it to maximise their profits. That's why Apple doesn't make a phone that lasts for 10 years, but rather prefers planned obsolescence. 
It is not concerned with helping human beings or the planet. It wants returns. Whereas a world focused on human needs would see companies like Apple striving to perfect products so they can stop raping and pillaging so many resources from the earth and limit the destruction it does to factory workers in China. And we have seen this growth at all costs extend into education. And that, that is truly sad. For me, never was it so confronting than when I moved to New York City. Every train, bus, billboard was splattered with blatant and relentless fear-mongering, spruiking another college or school that you just had to attend or risk being poor and homeless forever. Now, this is quite prevalent in Australia, not to the extent of the US, but it seems to be growing wildly. Of course, these schools come with a cost, a huge cost, one that many will be paying off forever. But there was a time when education was free, a time when we cared about human beings. But as more and more things become privatised in an attempt to maximise those profits, everything became an opportunity to just make more and more money, taking us further away from a race that has little invested interest in human well-being. We merely prefer to invest in well-being when everything, everything or everyone is sick in the form of big business creating another shambolic product or, or profiting even more from them. If you take a listen to episode 16 about mental health and values, you will see how deeply flawed GDP is and how it takes into account almost everything except all the things that make life worthwhile. Well, say that again. GDP takes into account almost everything except all the things that make life as a human being worthwhile. That's crazy. So we see a complete system of education that treats learners as products. We're products. University entrants have increased on the back of big spending campaigns, largely driven by fear, and while the damage it is doing right now is immense, what it does later, when we are old and facing retirement, is a type of silent killer. We simply stop learning because, as we see in all the ideas on this list thus far, in a sinister system like the one we live in today, we only do things in order to get things. And we lose the beauty and life and everything in between, all those cool little in-between moments. So we study only to get something, to get a job, more money, our parents off our backs, pats on the back. And in doing so, we stop learning at 20. We've become so robotic, we've got what we need from it. And so we become more susceptible to falling prey to a capitalist system that doesn't really care about people. We believe everything we hear or read We have limited sources of information because we don't even know how to really learn. So every trick that we are sold, we buy. We become real-life zombies, living lives of quiet desperation, as Thoreau so eloquently put it. And we then sacrifice our entire lives preparing for retirement, while each day, if we aren't skillful, makes that retirement more like a living hell. Complete with poor health, lack of interest, and on top it all off, no real education for the last 50 years of our lives. If we had free education where government and business valued people and people valued learning, not to get a job, but out of curiosity and an openness for knowledge, wisdom, and a fascination with life, with our minds and bodies, our ecosystems and the world all around us, we would be living in a vastly different world, one richer in human flourishing and one with a flourishing ecosystem. Now, 
Let me give you an example. Take John. Let's say John, for example. John is 45 years old and only now has just paid off his student debt, which isn't uncommon in the US, Australia, and many other places. He's pretty unhappy and dislikes his job. But something tells me that John won't be rushing to dive back into more study because that will mean more debt. So instead he settles for another 30 years of chronic unhappiness and a lack of meaning and engagement at work. That's not good for John. Not good for his family, his friends, his community, and not good for his company. John probably becomes disengaged from his kids. He starts drinking every weekend, gambling too. He maybe even becomes violent to his wife. So they get a divorce. But not before the kids think that this is normal. He plods along, continuing the cycle, miserable as ever. Now, this is great for GDP, by the way. Divorce attorneys, property settlements to get the real estate in, mental health services, spending more money with local businesses, most of them are pubs, and loving the accessibility of his new mobile sports bet application. Now, John is not alone. We've been brought up in this kind of rigid default education career pathway, and it is really hard to escape if you haven't been educated. And in many ways, how we've been educated perhaps actually amplifies the problems. When education and learning should provide us with more opportunities and more options, not just at, not just at the end of the road when we are miserable and facing a divorce, but all along the way. So we can build nice relationships and learn to man- manage our emotions for two. We cannot afford to rely on formal schooling and the university system alone in to promote learning and development, to promote human flourishing. Um, There has been a big push recently for business to be a vehicle for learning and development, and more and more companies are doing it. And it can give more people access to learn and grow in a supportive and conducive environment with a focus on lifelong learning, which the current education, schooling system, etc. can make difficult. And business can be a driver, but then we are still putting our health and well-being in the hands of something outside of us. And again, there is the very real possibility that their want for us to develop these skills with free training is just another tool for them to make more money through a boost in employee loyalty and a type of, you know, richer pseudo-culture. And we must be sceptical of this, not because we are sceptics, but because our economical system, the system we value and lean on most as a human race, tells us it operates to maximise profits. So our learning is a nice touch. It must maximise profits over human well-being. And that's tricky. In the process of privatising our world and our lives, we've seen our education system follow this trend. Primary schools become platforms for career progression over a platform for learning, skipping over the individuals who don't fall in line right away, the creative types of big imaginations. And we applaud the ones who can follow protocols and guidelines. The ones who will thrive later in life as organisation men and women asking too few questions of their owners and politicians and smoothly progressing up the corporate ladder. A nice big mortgage and a four-week holiday in the beautiful with Sundays each year. Our kids learn for or an objective and never for curiosity and interest. They are largely disengaged through schooling and never enjoy learning for learning in and of itself hanging for the day when they never have to do it again. And so, they never do. When we learn for life, and learn to learn for life, we are curious, but we also are useful, recognise, we have meaning, engagement, accomplishment, and we feel good. 
when we have these things, right? John, well, he's certainly happier. And all these things are fundamental to our individual happiness. And we see this in Martin Seligman's work and his PERMA model for well-being, standing for positive emotion, engagement, positive relationships, meaning, and accomplishment. And these are all things that you can and should directly influence, especially if you want to be a happier, more well-rounded individual. And when we look at meaning, we may practice mindfulness, have positive relationships, etc. But if we have limited or zero meaning in the work we do, where we spend a lot of our lives, our ability to be truly happy, holistically and integrated, is completely diminished. And with life expectancy increasing in all countries in the world, take for example in the US where it's nine years longer than their counterparts just half a century ago, it means it's even more important to create meaning in the work you do and how you spend your time. And a natural curiosity for learning in life, or you may just be unhappier for longer. Take one of my dearest friends, for instance, and I've mentioned him before, and that's Lou. He's 85 years old. He's now learning Mac to cut up footage, all his old footage, his photography, his films, to create his new documentary. I met Lou on the tennis court. He took that up at age 60. We share books, everything from Sapiens to Pinker's Enlightenment Now, even Pollen's How to Change Your Mind. He never waited for formal education to whip him into shape or whip him into action. He took learning into his own hands and still does to this day. That's why he's so vibrant, healthy, engaged, interested and interesting. Being engaged, having meaning, positive relationships and a focus on development and learning make our lives worthwhile and enrich it with a zest and aliveness. And they shouldn't stop when we leave university or when we get a job. When we have people young and old with autonomy, engagement, meaning, who are free-thinking and curious, this changes the world, especially in the elderly where these things tend to disappear far too often. When I launched a social education initiative in Colombia called the Kids of Bogota, it was never about getting more tables or chairs for the classroom, and it was all about how we can get the kids to enjoy learning, to be curious about life, and to be engaged to actually want to continue doing it, not just until after school, which was super critical there because the majority of kids in, in Bogota left school at age 14 to work low-level jobs and keep the cycle of poverty turning. But the focus was to get them to enjoy learning forever so they can better shape their families, their relationship, their health, and their communities. Learn for life, not for a job. It will hold you in good stead now, and well into the future. Life is a difficult balancing act, and we need to balance the many layers and avenues of human life well and deliberately. The ones who truly flourish, deeply interconnected and holistically, are those who don't try to get ahead in one area only, thinking that the others will just simply follow. But perhaps those are the ones who take an interest in life, for life itself, for their friends, their ecosystems, their communities. They are the lifelong learners, and they make constructing a life worth living a beautiful endeavour. Thanks for listening. I'm Evan Sutter. Please head to evansutter.com support to see how you can support this show and other initiatives like the Kids of Bogota. Right now, there are over 12 offerings on that page for you to enjoy. And of course, there's my book Awake. Just search Awake and Evan Sutter online to find out more. This is Satisfaction, more construction work to come. Enjoy.